Our text for this morning's sermon is taken from the gospel lesson with special emphasis on the following words. Jesus said, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is our text. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, God loves everything, everything he has made. But most of all, he loves you. To illustrate this, Jesus has you consider all that he has created and how he takes care of it. For example, Jesus said, consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? You are everything to him. You are his treasure, and he is yours. But what if you don't know that? Or what if you doubt that to be the case? Or what if you have become so overcome by the trials and tribulations of this world that you, you, you no longer believe that? Or what if you never believe that? What then? Then you have no alternative than to believe in yourself as God. Or if you believe there is a God, that somehow you can make yourself good enough in this tryout, if you will, of life so that he will pick you to be on his team, so that you can make his team. Well, a lot of people feel, believe that somehow you have to show God that you're deserving. You have to prove that somehow you are worthy of his love. To illustrate this wrong thinking or this incorrect belief, I want to tell you a story right now and it comes from Greek mythology. It's the story of Prometheus and Zeus. Now, Prometheus in the story thought that Zeus's rule over humanity was oppressive. It's bad. We need to get out from under his rule. So he sought to steal, in the words of the myth, to steal fire from the gods. The fire being a sense of immortality, or having a sense of immortality, ambition, and actually technology. By the way, by the way have any of you ever heard of a Promethean board? It's a it's a brand of a smart board, like we have them at school. That's where it comes from, from this story of Prometheus, who steals fire from the gods. As the story goes, the fire empowered the ambition of human beings to master the arts and ignite technological change. 
Many would assert that the fire of the gods, stealing this fire of the gods is the way into a higher quality of life, a better life. And to show that, just we cite the human progress that we have made, right? Think of all of the diseases that are in the rearview mirror that we've overcome, right? Think of the internet and how we have this ability to, to create an, what we think or call an alternate reality. By the way, it's not a reality, but we think it is, and, and a lot of people actually want to live there to escape the reality of life. But that's pretty amazing, though, isn't it? That I can talk to someone on the other side of the world with a little phone and see their face and hear their words, see their bodies move, it's amazing how much progress we have made, right? But all this progress, it gives us a sense of control, doesn't it? That we can kind of control everything. That if we can do this, why can't we do that? Why can't we run the whole thing? Why can't it be under our thumb? Are we really in control? We should think about that. Are we? Well, technology isn't the devil. We must remember that we are not the gods. We're just not. In the words of Eugene Peterson, I love this quote, he says, we have the technology of the gods without the wisdom of the gods. Not knowing the day of our death, that's a pretty big thing, isn't it? Not knowing the day of our death, but knowing the arts and sciences has given us, in the words of Prometheus, quote, blind hope. We hope in ourselves, blindly. And yet we stumble, don't we, along this path. We stumble forward and backward, fumbling our hope to change the world. We keep doing that, by the way. Despite technological advance and educational leaps, we still haven't eradicated disease or poverty. We still haven't stabilized the economy. And think about this. We still haven't eliminated war, have we? Is it possible that the fire has blinded us? And our blind spot is that we're in control? Is it possible that because you have had so much success that you don't believe that you will be overcome by anything or anyone? What then? What then? Well, then you worry. You got to do the God job of worrying about it, right? Then you worry. You worry about your life, Jesus says, what you will eat and your body, what you will put on, as if, like the pagans believe, 
that's all there is to life, just what we have here, right? Jesus points out the futility both of believing in yourself and the worry it breeds when he says, quote, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? You can't. If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Why are you trying to control everything that you can't control? The deceptive thing about the illusion of control is that it definitely works sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes your children actually quiet down when you threaten them. Sometimes employees do exactly what you want. Sometimes technology fixes things. But sometimes it doesn't. What happens then when children act out? Employees, when they blow it, and when our computers go down? What then? Anxiety takes us by storm. The truth is, we're not in control. We're not the gods. We're not lords. Jesus is Lord. And here's the great news about that. You are his treasure. And that's never going to change. He created you in his image. And he redeemed you to restore his image in you. That's really good news. That's his worry, not yours. Jesus said, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He just gives it to you. So no worries. There's nothing you have to do. You just sit there, like we talked about a few weeks ago. And he gives it to you. Now, I'm kind of excited because I'm going to be a grandpa, right? First time, first time, first time grandpa. I know I don't look old enough to be anywhere near being a grandpa, but, you know, I am. I'm really looking forward to it. Joshua and Tori are expecting their first child in, well, at the end of the November. And uh, my wife has been following some app, and apparently this little girl, we know she's a little girl, that she's the, sign, or she's the size of a pomegranate as we speak. A pomegranate with fingers and toes and eyes and ears and a heart that beats. In fact, the technology, the Prometheus stuff has given us a glimpse, right? They're much better than when our kids were little. And you, ha you have to say with the psalmist how, how fearfully and wonderfully made we are, right? And truly we are. Well, Joshua and Tori are pre preparing a room for this baby, this little girl, my granddaughter. And they're making sure that it's just really, really nice and beautiful and will be the perfect place for her. Now, when she arrives, 
bursts forth into life outside the womb, are they going to give her a tryout first? See if she's cute enough? No. Is she going to have to, you know, apply to go to their household, kind of like you apply to a university to see if you're smart enough to be let in? No. If she's going to have to show some athletic feats of some sort or have, show the potential to be a, a world-class athlete? Nope. They're just going to take her home and give her a room with them. And when she might get a little teenage-ish and buck them a little bit, right? Maybe she'll give them a run for their money, right? Are they going to stop loving her? Nope. Just like you keep loving your children. You see, God is like that, and we're really icons as father and mother as, as what, of, of God, who's our father in heaven, who loves us no matter what even when we hate him. <laughs> he loves us even more, even to death. Death on a cross. To restore us. To keep us in the family. To keep us in the fold. That's what he does. God loves everything he has created, and especially you, the crown of his creation. You are the crown of his creation. Treasure is so important for you that he won salvation for you through his death and resurrection and now gives you everything by his spirit at work through his word. And that's not going to change. The door is always open to you. Hence, do you see how Jesus is your treasure? Along with his word, this word that you come to hear, it, it takes away your anxiety and fear, and worry. And God does this through his word by forgiving your sins and forgetting them, by giving you his goodness, his life, and his peace. And by the way, this is not a blind hope. God entered into this world in Christ with witnesses. All the miracles that Jesus did, witness after witness, thousands of them when you count it up, when you go through the scripture, how God invades this world and there's witness after witness after witness to show how much he cares, including the witness of his death and his resurrection. He rose from the dead with witnesses. By the way, there's, there's no other religion like that. There's no other faith that is ground in in the reality of what actually happened. And we even say, look, if it didn't happen, go home. You have no hope. This isn't faith in your faith. This isn't blind faith. It's faith in the one who said what he would do and then did it with witnesses and who now comes among us to give us the spoils of his victory over sin and death. And you know what he says to you? who are, if you will, in the womb of his church here. He says that he's preparing another room for you. He's got your name on it. And, by the way, 
there's going to be no test. There's going to be no check to see if you prayed hard enough or to see if you're smart enough or to see if you're physically able to do some things for him. Uh-uh. He's going to carry you through death to eternal life. You know why? Because you're his. And he loves you. You're his children. And nothing and no one can change that. Not even you. Oh, you can say no to it. And when you do, you know what God does? He just goes after you and loves you even more. Gives you everything he is and everything he has. Because you are Jesus' treasure. And he is yours. He really is. I hope you see that today. So as the Apostle Paul says, let's go about it this way. Do not be anxious about anything. By the way, it's not like, okay, don't be anxious, and if I'm anxious, oh, I'm not following his words. No, 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 no. Don't be anxious about anything because God is with you and for you, and he's never going to leave you nor forsake you, and he's going to continue to shower you with his gifts no matter what. That's why he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will be yours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.